Rob Priestley, thank you for joining me on GV Talks. Great to be here, Harley, and great to meet you. So the ballot papers came out today. How are you feeling? Oh, like it's been a busy time, and I'm really uh, happy that we're getting to the pointy end of it, and um, good to see how things pan out, I guess. Yeah, beautiful. Before we get too deep into it, do you want to let the Shepparton people know who you are? Uh, Rob Priestley, um, long-term resident, I guess. Uh, grew up out of Katandra and uh, have been away and studied and worked away for a while and returned and built a business here. Um, yeah, so that's me in a nutshell. Um, if you want to kind of dig into the the start, I suppose that's mum and dad and Katandra and um, five kids. Um, probably things were pretty skinny. Uh, mum, I was a a teacher and uh, you know that first house everything was cooked on a camp oven and uh, uh, wasn't safe to leave us in during the day so when they went to milk they put us in the back of the station wagons and, and take us down to the dairy while, while they milked and then we'd all go home they were worried about a fire or something I, you know too early for me but things were pretty skinny at the start yeah um, but very very lucky to be raised in a really loving uh, family that that very strong social views very giving, very involved in charity work and, and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a great place to be in. Yeah, and a family of your own now? Yeah, yep. Um, met a great girl and we, we actually moved back here to start a family. I had a job that I had a lot of travel and um, I, was, I was overseas a bit and we probably worked out that wasn't good. Uh, if you want to have a, a good, stable family environment and given my upbringing, I wanted to make sure I brought those sort of values to my kids. Yeah, and so we moved back here and uh, and started our family. I think we we're probably in my early twenties when that happened. We married young. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got three kids, and Sonia's a speech pathologist here in town, and uh, you know the kids are, are well. My, my eldest is twenty one now, so uh, you know that's a long time ago. What does your oldest son think about you running for council? Look, I don't think any kid between sort of 15 and whatever goes, great, my dad's going to (laughs) be in the paper or whatever. Having said that, they've been awesome. They've really come around and bought in and there's a lot of policy discussion and, you know, they're really hammering me about, you know, what about this and why are you doing that and did you see what this person said? So it's been great. It's been really good for the family. Yeah, great. Do you think, have they helped you with the campaign at all? Uh, yeah, I, I try not to burden, like this is my thing, yes. so I'm trying not to burden them with that, but yeah, they have, they've been good, they've you know, done bits and pieces for me, and, and even just to bounce ideas off them and, and that sort of stuff, it's really good, yeah. When did the idea cross your mind to run for cancel? Not very long ago, um, so I have had a lot of involvement with a thing called the Committee for Greater Shepparton, which you might have heard of. Um, so that launched probably six or seven years ago. And I was part of the, the group that brought that together and I've been on the board for, for that from the start and ended up as chair of it for a couple of years. And, you know, that's really about the, the long-term destiny of this community, trying to make the place better. And I have really poured a lot of love into that organisation and it's doing great. But I think that, you know, renewal's really important for... For any organisation, it doesn't want to be about one person, and it was time for me to, to do something else. And then I started thinking about the 
the council situation and, you know, if you think back to the, the bad old days, and I'm not sure how long you've been in town, Harley, how long have you been here? Uh, only three years. Yeah. But um, I've, heard you, I've heard you speak about that. <laughs> um, and I was wondering if you'd share some light on it eventually. Um, but what is the difference between the committee you're on now and the council? Yeah, so the committee four is it's funded by roughly a hundred of the largest businesses in town. Wow. Um, it's it takes money from no one other than its members. Um, in addition to those, there's about twenty or thirty community organisations, you know, like family care and all sorts of people that don't pay a fee but have a, a membership and a voting right. And it's about that that organisation is about trying to set the long term sort of. Uh, agenda for the region mm-hmm. and um, you know to actively get out there and talk about policy and ideas so um, it's it's trying to uh, not just represent business it's trying to be something that um, does what's good for the whole community and if we do what's good for the whole community it'll be good for business too of course yeah. so that's with the committee you're on now or uh, the so, council so that that was a committee for greater Shepherd, which i resigned from yeah so that i could run for council so you know, the council, you're accountable to the ratepayers, not, yes. not the members. You know, this is all about, uh, I guess, a, a, a layer of government now, and it's a different process, and it's obviously there's a lot more bureaucracy, but there's also a lot of opportunity. So, well, yeah, so I'm, I'm stepping from one onto the other and, and leaving the, the committee four behind. Yeah. You would have more freedom in the committee to, to do what you please. Completely. <laughs> but you be able to make bigger waves in council. Yeah, I think that's dead right. You know, committee four, uh, you can you can speak, and that's really one of the great benefits of it is you can speak with without fear or favour. Yes. Uh, council, um, you are accountable to you know the residents of this region, and you need to be more sensitive to um, perhaps the implications of what you're saying and doing and how that might relate to state or federal government and, and so yes. forth. So. What do you think your obligations are to the people of Shepparton if you are elected council? It's a good question. Um, in the end, you are accountable to do the best job that you can to take this for region forward and make sure that you uh, hear and consider all of the issues and concerns and ideas that people bring and then act without fear or favour in the interests of the whole of the community. So you must be absolutely uh, fanatical about avoiding vested interests and making sure that you are you are speaking for what is best for the whole of the community. Even that's difficult because you know the whole of the community. You've got that generational difference. Yes. And um, making a choice now that's good for everyone, but bad for our children making a choice now that looks after people that are maybe at a time in their life where they need more support. You know, those, those sorts of difficult choices, they really come down to those generational choices or income groups or ethnic groups. What about making decisions with vested interests? Because you don't want to lean too far into that. Like if, you're, if you run business, hypothetically, and you want to lower rates for business owners, that could be seen as a vested interest. Yeah. So like you might feel a bit weird about making decisions about that um, yeah. because of the way it might be seen or push really hard for that, even though it would be good for the majority, like it would be good for everyone, but because it will, it's an invested interest for you, 
it could be seen like, oh, he's just pushing for that because yeah, it's going to help him out. Yeah, look, um, people are, don't get me wrong, uh, the, the council needs to be run efficiently and that's probably my focus rather than talking about the headline rates. Rates are an outcome. If you're spending too much money, you've got to collect too much money. Yeah. So my focus is on making sure our council is running efficiently, we're driving on costs, we're making sure that everybody's pulling their weight, that the services that we're delivering are things that people actually want. Yes. So that I think if you get that part right, then the rates question becomes easier. You know, if you talk about, you know, that I would push on council rates because I would uh, benefit in that personally. Yes. You know, you're talking at the margins, really. Like, you know, we, we run 300 staff and we have uh, a lot going on in our business and I don't know what we pay in rates in Shepherd, is it 20 or 30 grand? It's a lot of money, yeah. but it's it's a fraction of a weekly wages bill and I'm, I'm not in it for that. Like, I'm not spending a day and a half or two days a week and all that brain power <laughs> to save a tiny fraction of my rates. I'm, I'm in this for the community. That's my goal. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that's well answered. How would you look back on your time in the community for community for Greater Shepparton? Like, do you feel like you made some uh, positive changes to the community through that organisation? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, probably back when we started, the council was in a, a really difficult time and a lot of disarray. And when, for example, someone from state government came to Shepparton there wasn't really a good spokesperson for the community. Um, there was no one to meet with and to talk about what the community wanted. And I think quickly uh, two things happened, that the committee started to provide that alternative for government and that progressively our council has improved over time. Um, there's still room for improvement. but uh, <clears throat> So then you've had uh, a couple of good alternatives to engage with people and and over that journey that six or seven years I can think of occasions where I feel like we've we've tipped the balance when you know you you've been talking to a, a state member of parliament or to someone federally and we've made them aware that they've, they've, they've come to a conversation with a preconceived idea about our community or our economy and you've been able to say, actually, it's not quite right. You know, we've got a really diverse economy here. We've got some really good stuff going on. Here's this opportunity, that opportunity. And you've opened their eyes a bit. And then suddenly you see a decision go away you didn't think it was going to go. And you think, I reckon I reckon we had a hand in that. And you never really know. Yeah. But I, I think having all of those parts in place, they really help. Um, does the committee and the council work hand in hand? or? Yeah, to some extent. You know, um, it's important for the council that the council uh, is accountable to its residents and acts in that way. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't take council, oh, the other spelling, <laughs> they, they shouldn't take on information from other people and inform themselves. And I think that's the role of the Committee for Greater Shepparton. Um, I don't think it's, um, it's it, it, they should be the types of conversations that are going on publicly. Um, and the information is shared, um, but not that they have some uh, additional capacity other than what your average resident does. It's important that it's most important that council is listening to its residents and doing what they want. 
Yeah, great. You would have a lot of experience from being in that role moving into Cancel, which would be feeling making you feel pretty confident uh, that you're not getting chucked in the deep end. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm very comfortable about what it means to relate with state and federal governments. Yeah. I've got a lot to learn about council process, but I, I, I think there's seven or eight hundred people down there that know about council process. So my goal is to bring uh, some business knowledge to council. Yeah, great. Um, do you think council is a business? It's a weird business, I guess. Um, you know, you there's some things that you can apply from a business context. You know, you make sure that the place is being run efficiently and productively, but uh, you know. <laughs> The services that we offer they're so important in people's lives yes. and they're not straight you know there's not a, a pure return on investment it's about people's enjoyment of life and amenity and community and you know those things that's what life's all about so. yeah are they hard to gauge those things they're impossible to gauge <laughs> but you know I, I i'll give you an example i i'm talking to uh, a lady in her 80s uh in the last week and what an incredible difference the library has made for her over the COVID period. She's lost connection with all of her family and, you know, she talks to them on the phone and whatever, but that she's been able to get a box of books that's been based on her reading history that's tailored to what she really enjoys. It's got her through, you know, and like, how do you put a value on that? Yeah, exactly. That's a great example. So you run the community for Greater Shepparton, which you've now resigned, but you also run business? Correct. What uh, what business are you involved in? So uh, 20 whatever years ago, my, my brother and I uh, joined the family business after mum and dad sold the farm. They bought a little dry cleaners in town and that kind of turned into a commercial laundry and um, we bought them out and we were 20 staff back then yeah. and over the last 20 whatever years. We've just been gnawing away at it and it, we've got a tiger by the tail now and um, there's 320 of us there and it's, um, you know, it's, it's great. It's this um, opportunity to get to know uh, all of these fascinating customers that are mostly businesses, you know, restaurants and hotels and hospitals and whatever all over Victoria and all of these fantastic people that work with us. You know, we've got a, a very... Well, incredibly multicultural <laughs> workforce. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been this really lovely journey. How does it feel to employ over 300 people? It's very strange, yeah. <laughs> Is it rewarding? <laughs> I, said, I feel like that would be so rewarding to give 300 people jobs. Uh, don't think of it like that. I, it's rewarding, um, like, I just have so much admiration for... Uh, like there's just all of these awesome people that come into work every day. They are often in really tough circumstances. You know, they might be, I don't know, nursing a, a partner who's unwell or trying to get kids through school or having difficulties. And they're, they're often mums, but sometimes mums and dads. And they come in and they're happy and they, you know, it's not easy work. They grind it out. And then when their friends go through hard times, they cook them a meal and they look after each other and you know it's it's you know it is an incredibly lovely and supportive workplace that's awesome mm. what is your role specifically in the business at the moment well we've been doing it a long time and until uh the start of this year with my brother we were leading the organization 
together and really, you know, we were looking every stamp and signing every check if you like. And a couple of years ago, we had a chat about wanting to be in it for the long haul and how do we do this for another 10 years? Um, For a long time, you know, I slept with my mobile under my pillow and it rings day and night and... There's, you get to a time where you... You've paid your dues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. And I, I probably thought I can't keep doing this. And so we went through a bit of a, a process. We went and found a great guy who started with us two or three years ago. He's been with us and he's just stepped into our CEO role. And the poor guy, how's this? COVID and him happened together. <laughs> So yeah. he's become CEO at a time where it's probably the, one of the most challenging business environments we've ever experienced. So he is doing a, a magnificent job. Um, and as a result of that, I now look after uh, a stable of my sort of my favourite customers yes. and new business opportunities and so forth. But when things go wrong at three in the morning or 10 at night, it's not my phone that rings anymore. Yeah, great. I think that's what I wanted to hear from you because <laughs> my next question is how does your life change if you are elected as a council member because that would be a lot of responsibility put on your plate. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm unwinding a couple of things. So I've, I've been on a, the, an advisory group for the hospital redevelopment and the committee for Shepparton. So I'm stepping off both of those things and I've restructured our work. So, I, I you know, and in the end of the day, I'm sort of a, someone that'll just make it fit so yeah. you know this this will be um something that i'll i'll sweat on and make sure that it, i do a good job of it so is there anything that needs urgent attention from the council members when you get elected like would there be something that gets um attention straight away that you're already aware of not not like a you know there's not a bridge that needs fixing or yeah. whatever but you know, if you think about the cycle of council, uh, good people get elected, they go on with good intentions, and then to some extent they meet the reality of bureaucracy and process, and it, I think it grinds them down a bit, you know. I'm hopeful, like others that have gone before me, that when I get there that we might be able to try and find a way to break that planning cycle so that we can challenge some of the inertia that's there. Great. Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of um, built-up policy, procedure, plans, and you, you don't want to throw them all out, but it's the job of the councillors to provide leadership and direction and not keep rolling with the status quo. And I think there's a real appetite for some change there. So it's about constructively going about working through those things and trying to meet the community's expectations and push back when it's the right time to push back. You have to follow the processes, though. Of course. Um, Do you think there needs to be more transparency between the council and the uh, community? It's... People want it. It's about trying to give it to the community in an effective way yeah because um, i feel like it's there yeah but it's just not delivered in a way that a lot of people um absorb it yeah i, I think it's a modern phenomenon you know that one of the great benefits of working in a workplace with lots of people with english as a second language you can't use flowery language yeah <laughs> you need to say 
you know, things as simply as you're late to work, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're going too slow, um, come back and see me later, etc. So I think with our uh, government broadly, the communication, it is often a lot of spin and, and speak around that. And that would be something I'd be keen to push back on. You know, when we do consultation, you might get a document that says something, but not really understand the consequences. I think it's council's role to say, hey, and by the way, that means that this road in front of your house might get widened in 10 years' time or yeah. something something as simple as that. So, it, you know, it's hard to articulate that, but that's kind of my goal. Yeah, but that's how the people want to hear it as well. Totally. I think. Yeah. Um, like people are short on time these days. They don't want to get a letter that is confusing to them and... Yep. They just don't read it and then they're complaining about the cancel 10 years from now when the exactly. road gets widened. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, good consultations about not alarming people unnecessarily, but making sure they understand what the, maybe the consequences are and trying to, to give give them access to the detail if they want, but really make sure that there's some punchy points up front that says this is what's happening and this is what it might mean for you. If you want to know more, go here. If people, if the community did want to know more about cancelling and the decisions that they make, where would they go to find that information currently? There is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of information on the council website. Yeah. And that's a plus and a minus. You know, there's a lot of transparency. Things are open and there. But again, there's, it, it's such a large and complex organisation. You know, you, in the end, you've got to vote someone in that's going to try and bat for that stuff on your behalf. Yes. But when specific decisions come and they might be planning decisions or development decisions that are about a neighbourhood or a, a sector of the community or a sports club or something, that's where the council needs to be really pushing that hard and making sure they understand. Yeah, great. What uh, values do you think would make a good council member? Like if you're saying that um, the council mem- it's a council member's job to kind of be that voice for you, Yeah. what sort of values would you think would make a good council member? Uh, look, I've campaigned on uh, integrity, and I think integrity talks about making ethical decisions, thinking about everyone that's in, that's affected, making sure that you push back against vested interests, that, you know, you're thinking about whole of community, um, progress, and in the end, you're never sitting still. You know, you're either going backwards or you're going forwards, and we all... You know, like that nostalgia feeling of how things used to be or or whatever. And, and I think you've got to recognise as a councillor that's not an option. You've, you've got to be planning for what comes next and helping the community get there and not not be ahead of them but not be behind them. So, you know, I, I think they are really, really important in, in a councillor. Um, they've got to be able to listen and communicate they've got to be able to convey why the decision is often people once they understand they go oh yeah well that's fair you know that's, if it's going to do that to them we should do that so. i've read a lot of councillors say they want to be the voice on the ground what do you what do they mean by that i think it's just making sure they're talking to members of the community and asking the questions and picking out the information and trying to relate that to all of the briefings that they've attended and whatever so that they can marry those two community concerns together yeah do you think um the four-year term is the most effective um 
Because there'll be some people, because there's going to be a half new cancel at minimum. Yes. Some people won't know what that commitment's going to be like. Yeah, yeah, it's a long time. Um, equally, you know, I, I think you the benefits of new blood are you bring new ideas and enthusiasm, but it's going to take some time to get up to speed and that's a lot of investment in those people and you want them then to be effective. So, you know, I think the four-year term's reasonable. Nobody enjoys the election process, but... It's, it's vital. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like a reasonable balance. I mean, three years, four years, I'm never here nor there, but... Yeah, okay. It would take a while to make the change that you wanted to make anyways. Of course. It's not gonna, you're not going to walk in there and... Gun-ho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make all these changes straight away. Um, so, you've stated in a couple of different places the dark days of Shepparton. And like I said, I wasn't here until about three, four years ago. Can you elaborate on that at all? Look, we, we just went through a time where we had um, a really dysfunctional council and I wonder whether the things that went on then, if they happen now, you know, you see other councils in Victoria have an administrator appointed right now uh, where uh, behaviour doesn't meet public standards and I wonder whether if the same things that had happened back then happen now, we would have an administrator appointed. So it was pretty bad. Um, I, I wasn't on the inside. I don't know all the details. I only know what I read in the paper. But, uh, you know, it certainly was a time where we didn't cover ourselves with glory. Yeah, okay. I was speaking to one of my friends, because I'm new to all this, but I've been reading a lot about it, and I'm really excited about this election, which is a new feeling for me. But I was speaking... Um, about the the budget and I could be completely wrong here but could you tell me if this is correct um, like let's say cancel spend X amount per year and they get X, that amount off uh, like higher levels of government they could say job to spend all of that or the higher levels of government won't give them as much moving forward is that how it works or is that you do hear stories about unallocated budget uh, being withdrawn on certain in uh, projects so you know they might be allocated something to deliver a particular program and and it might have a use it or lose it element to it yeah um so yeah you do hear stories about that um really for me what you want to see in council is a really really effective capital planning program and it sounds it's pretty dull but it's so important because if you've got really well managed capital planning program it means you deliver stuff on time you deliver it on budget and when opportunity strikes like last night's federal budget you have shovel ready projects they're they're budgeted they're drawn up all of the hard work and that might take a year to get all that stuff together yeah you know that that's all sitting there ready to say right here's a bucket of money from the federal government we've got this project this project and this project that's all drafted up and ready to go and we can apply for that and do something for our community with it. So uh, one of the things that I'm really keen to make sure is that our planning and budgeting team are A-grade because if they're good, it flows through to so many other opportunities for our community. And they're separate from the councilmen? They're employees of the council. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, it's about having a really good team inside our council. And whose job is it to pick those people? That's totally the job of the CEO. The only employee that the councillors choose is the CEO. 
Yeah. So you're talking about an interplay there between the councillors and the CEO and the types of conversations we're having uh, with the CEO and what we're encouraging them to spend their time and energy on. Who's the current CEO? Peter Harriet. Yeah. How long has he been in that position? Pete's been there for a good while. I'm going to have a stab and say four or five years. I'm going to be wrong, but I don't know which yeah. way. Um, <laughs> and he has uh, recommitted, and I think he would have a further three years roughly to run on his contract. What projects are you most passionate about? I, I don't have any, uh, you know, I'm going to build a bridge yeah. projects. Yeah. I, I think about community development. Um, I'm a bit of a nerd and I listen to stuff all night long and economic development, community development is something I'm really into. And if you look at all of the successful communities around the world that are sustainable, they're doing a good job, they're growing, they've got five things that are in common. Yeah. And those five things are they've got a good education system, that they have a good health system, that they've got a diverse and vibrant economy. Um, a big one we're missing, or not, I would say we're missing, but we need to do better on, is that they have a strong university presence. Yes. So we have, we have La Trobe and Melbourne Uni with a presence here. It's not enough. We need more. And then lastly, that they attract and retain youth. So... Before, you know, you're talking about what are the projects. I'm going to make all my decisions around trying to progress those five features because those five things are what makes a community sustainable and vibrant into the future. Um, if you think about our community, there's some work to be done. We've done some good stuff. You know, the hospitals had an investment, but stage two still needs to be done. The education plan, it's a way, but you know, there's absolutely still work to be done. University is a big gap. I think in the economy sense, we've done a big transition, but there's still more to be done there. But the big missing piece is the demographics. Our, our youth culture doesn't get much attention from a, a, a planning point of view. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at the festivals, the um, activities that council run. If I turn up to those, the average age is probably my age or older. And for me, success is if we're running an event and it's full of people 18 to 30, then we've done a good job. Yeah, great. Yeah, that is my absolute uh, burning focus because if we don't have the youth culture right, we don't attract and retain youth and they're going to be the drivers of the next generation. Do you have any ideas on how to encourage them to show up to events like that? Well, it's not up to that generation to kind of feel guilty and think they should come. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to make the honey so they want to come. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about, I guess, looking at our events uh, and looking at the team that runs that and maybe changing their KPIs and saying, right, uh, this next event, this is what we're shooting for and that's what success looks like. It looks like a big, busy event full of 18 to 30-year-olds. Yeah, that's great. Um, so... I'm 28. You just make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm always looking for things to do. I like, I think um, we said, like, you provide the honey, that's good. Like, it has to be something that people want to go to in yeah. that age bracket. Um, but also getting it in front of people is another challenge. Yeah. Like, getting in front of that um, that age bracket's hard these days because the attention's just not there. Yeah. 
Um, how, how do you think you do that? Do you think um, having some younger people on the council would help with that aspect? I hope there's some younger people that are running and I really hope that they do get on. I want them to be part of it. But it's also about having people engaged in the uh, arts and culture and events team that are of the right age. Or if they're not of the right age, they're accessing that age well. Um, So it's it's not everything, but it's a piece that we're really missing at the moment. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... Can you share a positive experience that you've had around Shepparton recently? Um, we, so, you know, I think this is a little summary of Shep. Uh, we had a couple uh, meet at work and they didn't know anyone else. So they had a wedding and they invited everyone from work, pretty much everyone they knew. <laughs> <laughs> and... They're both relatively new migrants and they're from Malaysia and then we had, you know, all of the Aussies and we had all of the uh, kind of the Africans and the Asians turn up to this wedding and there was this incredible, uh, diverse, amazing evening where there was sort of karaoke and food from different cultures and dancing and drinking and just this amazing melting pot of fun and joy that I reckon is hard to repeat and you don't see in a lot of other places. And I just, I had this moment where I thought, I reckon Shep does this maybe better than anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Of the places that I've lived in, um, across regional Victoria, Shepton's very diverse in the best way. Yeah. Um, so that's an area that I think we're killing it. Yep, yep. for sure. Um, how do you deal with difficult situations? Um, so I try not to deal with stuff when I'm cross. Great. <laughs> so Great. If, if, if I'm upset, I'll wait until that's passed. And I think you want to deal with things as fast as you can after that. So nothing good ever comes from waiting longer than the time you need to get your thoughts together and get calm. And then if it's a hard conversation, you just need to sit down and have that hard conversation. Or if it's a crappy job, you just got to get on and do it. So um, that's sort of, you know, broadly how I try and approach things, I suppose. Yeah, I'm very similar. You don't want to be controlled by your emotions. It only takes a few deep breaths to um, come back to yourself and speak how you actually feel instead of <laughs> let your emotions run amok. Yeah. Um, who locally inspires you? I, I think, you know, we talked before about the uh, people that I work with that um, I see the, the charity work and it's not called, it's not really charity work, but the support that they give their fellow friends and workmates. There are just, there are some amazing people they're not doing it for online or to look good or whatever. They're just these great, honest, decent, hardworking, looking after their kids, looking after their families. And I just, oh, they're my heroes, to be honest. Like I really, I can't express enough how much respect I've got for uh, the great things that I see happen every day through through that 
that group. Yeah, it's a, it's a miracle that we can all get along and work for the greater good. Great. Um, I'm really happy with that. I feel like you've provided some great information. Uh, is there anything you want to leave the shepherd and public with? Uh, look, I guess, you know, if we're talking election stuff, um, uh, you know, your vote matters. Have a good think about it. Have a, I would encourage you to think about someone that is, has a positive future, that it's not there to talk about their complaints. Um, you need solutions, of course, but, uh, you know, in the end, the complaints mostly point back to the past and we need to talk about the future and how we're going to do a good job of that. So vote for someone that's interested in that. Yeah, great. The ballot papers should be in your mailbox over the next week and then you have two weeks to vote. That's it. Great. Awesome, Rob. Thank you for joining me. Awesome, Harley. Well done.